This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. My name's Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. I'm Maura Dooley. Thanks so much for joining us today. You know, National Inventors Day is November 9th. That's you guys. Cool. Mm. We always have some cool holidays, obviously. Monday is Veterans Day, and that's a huge one, honoring the servicemen mm-hmm. and women who have uh, done incredible things for us. And uh, Heritage Distilling in the past, you have done some cool things for Veterans Day and Memorial Day. We have, yeah. We're we're big supporters of uh, Special Forces down at uh, Joint Base Lewis-McChord. Uh, we're big supporters of the Gold Star Kids program. We've got two of our employees serving the board for USO, which is you know one of the largest service organizations in the world for the military. So we're we're very active in supporting our troops and uh, and and honoring our veterans. Awesome. And before that, we do have a National Inventors Day today, which was pretty cool. And we should think of something to create to celebrate that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the only thing, that's yeah. the proper way to commemorate National Inventors Day, I think, is coming up with <laughs> one of your own. A cast Ju- club radio invention. Exactly. I mean, Justin, you kind of, you yes. know, lead the way in this since you did start your own business. And, and I think a lot of things, uh, you are an inventive person by nature. Is there anything that you, uh, that, you know, you haven't released to the world yet that you want to let out on National Inventors Day? Well, yes and no. There are some things that we are working on, <laughs> okay. but no, we don't want to release them to the world yet. <laughs> yes, that's fair. That's fair. Yep, yeah. The big news at Heritage, we, we signed a deal with UPS now for shipping in the state of Washington. So this means uh, better reliability and delivery and uh, the ability for people who go online to heritagedistilling.com who want to order items shipped to them. They're going to be able to get stuff right to their home or business and still testing our same-day delivery down in South Sound. Uh, for people who want to go on Heritage Distilling and log on and buy spirits, and we will drive it to your house within an hour or two. So we're testing that still. Perfect time of year for all that. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Getting ready for the holidays. In the meantime, what is in the headlines? Well, Belgian nuns are selling the world's first Trappist beer shampoo. This is from Forbes. <laughs> you ever wonder why if Trappist Belgian monks makes the best beer in the world and European nuns brewed through the Middle Ages and beyond, why the Trappists convents currently uh, don't brew beer. Well, they don't brew beer. The Trappistines of the Abbey of Our Lady of Nazareth in Brecht, Belgium. That is a mouthful. <laughs> They've partnered with the brothers at the Abbey of Our Lady of the Holy Heart of West Mali to make the world's first Trappist ale shampoo. Following the Benedictine order, the nuns have supported their order through manual labor since the monks established it in 1964. For 55 years, the sisters have made and sold dish detergents, followed by soap, bath foam, uh, hand soap, and so on. 10% consists of uh, West Maley Double beer, which is brewed three miles away. And uh, so now they're making this shampoo out of it and uh, hoping to raise some money. And uh, the convent product sells under the name TRAP, T-R-A-P-P, and it comes packaged in black and white uh, to mirror their habits. Uh, that's very clever. So uh, we'll be on the lookout for the uh, beer shampoo made by the nuns. Well, yeah, uh, they some of the claims is that uh, they can make your hair a little bit more shiny, maybe enhance with a natural curl. 
two things I would be looking for. So mm-hmm. hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, if you try this mm-hmm. out, let us know. We read a story about a beauty blogger right. last year that used champagne or Prosecco. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. A little bit of a trend here. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Next up, uh, you know, millennials get blamed for everything. So let's blame them for one more thing here. This oh, is boy. from Vice.com. <laughs> Molson Coors blames millennials' good taste for layoffs. The company is slashing jobs and focusing on non-beer products in an effort to stay relevant to millennials and Generation Z. Molson Coors is pivoting away from beer, blaming younger drinkers for it. This is something we've talked about before. Millennials are uh, not consuming as much alcohol um, as previous generations, and millennials are now the biggest generation, bigger than baby boomers by population and uh, by purchasing habits. And on uh, Wednesday, the company announced that it was taking brewing out of its name. It used to be Molson Coors Brewing. They are rebranding it to the Molson, Bo- Molson Coors Beverage Company. They plan to cut between four and 500 jobs, or nearly 3% of their workforce. The new strategy will focus on non-beer products, including canned wine and hard coffee, which launches this year. They're also are working on some cannabis drinks. A mainstream beer, they said, is not considered authentic, and so basically they're blaming uh, what Vice calls the good taste habits of millennials for their woes and loss in sales. Uh, this is interesting because I saw data just uh, from Constellation Brands where it says that in 2013, millennials were consuming 24 drinks a month, and now it's up to 29 drinks a month. So that's actually increased. If they think consumption is going to start coming back. And the CFO for Molson, or I'm sorry, the CFO for Constellation says it's because they're having kids. And as you have kids, uh, you stay home. And as you stay home with your kids, you may decide you have to have something to take the edge they off. They drive so, you to drink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what some people think. Yeah. Some people think. So at least the folks at Constellation. Interesting. Well, when in doubt, blame millennials, exactly. right? <laughs> That's right. And lastly, from NBC News, under pressure, a doctor's wine hack freed a boy's tongue stuck in a bottle. Uh, finally, this is proof that drinking wine helps physicians do their jobs, kind of. An old hack to open a wine bottle without a corkscrew served as inspiration for German doctors. They were helping a seven-year-old boy whose tongue had become trapped in a glass bottle. The doctors who treated the boy in Germany, they published this in the European Journal of Anesthesiology. The boy had been drinking white grape juice from the bottle, and like any kid, he tried his best to lick every last drop, and his tongue his tongue became stuck as far as he could get it. Uh, instead of being rewarded with an extra drop of juice, the pressure caused his tongue to swell, and it got stuck in the bottle. Oh. Parents couldn't remove it, took him to the hospital. The boy's airways were not blocked, fortunately, so physicians had time to develop a plan. They tried lubricating the area and the tongue, twisting it, turning it, pulling it, no avail. Using these situations, doctors must cut the bottom of the bottle off or drill holes to release the pressure. Uh, Before they did that, they had encountered cases like this in uh, previous years, and so they had an an aha moment. Let's see, what did they do? Well, they found themselves with a corked wine bottle needed to be opened, but no corkscrew, and the air became pressurized because... They hooked it up uh, with an empty syringe, and they threaded the tube into the bottle, pumped it with air, and it was able to pop out just by creating that differential pressure. So they were able to do that. It took only 60 milliliters of air, which is a very small amount, but that was enough to pressurize a bottle and allow the uh, tongue to no longer swell. Wow, that that's some thinking on the fly there by doctors. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like so, the anyway, ingenuity. I recommend you don't stick your tongue... I recommend you don't stick your tongue in a bottle. That's the best way to avoid that situation. Yeah, I don't remember doing that as a kid. Yeah. I I mean, I like juice, but maybe not this much, you know? He really likes his white grape juice. 
Coming up on Cast Club Radio, we all love sports around here. We talked about them several times on the show before, but college sports and alcohol are now blending more than they have ever in years past. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. We hear are all big sports fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked on the show several times, Maura and I. That's kind of our day job working at 710 ESPN Seattle. And we're all big fans of college sports, whether it's where we went to school or where we live. This is interesting. We found an article from the New York Times about college sports and beer blending in a new way. Yeah, it's unusual to uh, when you think you, uh, you think about college and you think about experiences, people drinking or partying or doing whatever <clears throat> that's where people try to learn what not to do and on the f- other side of that you have universities that are very health conscious and want to make sure that they're not in, in inviting or creating an environment where people act irresponsibly many colleges now are, are moving to uh, remove alcohol from their campuses including fraternities and sororities and, and create kind of a dry atmosphere and now in this article you have universities who are actually licensing their university brand onto beer to be sold into the market. So they are coming completely full circle to participate in the alcohol beverage trend. And uh, places like the University of Louisiana at Lafayette are among more than 20 universities who've licensed their brand for beer. The Raging Cajuns, uh, man. Raging <laughs> Cajuns. I always yeah. love that mascot. <clears throat> All right. Yep. Matthew Tarver is the trademark licensing manager at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. Trademark licensing managers, they protect the trademark brand. And if you remember several years ago, the Seahawks, the 12th man, uh, which was uh, Texas A&M, originally created the 12th man way back in the 20s. There's a big trademark fight back and forth. These universities take their trademark intellectual property very seriously. So here uh, on the beer side, more than four years after stumbling onto an idea that seems so obvious, the Raging Cajuns Genuine Louisiana Ale and its younger sibling, Raging Cajuns Genuine Louisiana Lager, mm-hmm. again, another mouthful. They put the school at the forefront, uh, and more than 20 universities are marketing their beer. They come with names like Boiler Black from Purdue, Old Tuffy from North Carolina State, El Lobo Rojo from New Mexico, and Colorado has Stampede. When it comes time when universities are eager to chase revenues, and at the same time, they are relaxing restrictions on selling alcohol at sporting events, Uh, they think it's a way to combat declining college football attendance. It also comes at a time when universities are condoning aggressive licensing habits uh, like they've done for universities stamped six-packs and so on. So it makes it harder, uh, uh, the claim is here in the paper, makes it harder for the NCAA to justify denying student athletes from pursuing similar deals to cash in on their own images when you've got a university slapping their their logo on a, a bottle of beer or a can of beer what do you what do you think about that ladies well it looks like that might be changing you know the ncaa did some initial rulings just uh what was it last week yeah and and yeah. in response to the bill that passed in california and feeling increasing pressure from other states saying that they <laughs> would follow suit on allowing athletes to make money off their own likeness um, and through endorsements. Now the NCAA, feeling some pressure from that, said that they would they want to charge universities with coming up with a solution that would possibly fit within that mold of students potentially being able 
uh, to make money off their likeness and such. And it felt a little bit like a stopgap, but it also feels like they are feeling the heat and they're all feeling the pressure and that this is changing. So, uh, yeah, I think the the involvement with alcohol, we've seen it kind of just change on a local scale where they used to not serve alcohol at all at college sporting events. And now we've sort of seen it integrated in different ways and in increasing ways. I think that when you're when schools are looking to make money, there's really at, at some point there's not a lot that you are willing to leave off the table. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. They want to uh, pretend that's like a, that's, that's a not nice the case. way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a nice way of putting it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, back in the article here, they talk about the uh, Bayou Tech Brewery, which opened in 09. And uh, the owner there, they were approached by their distributor in the summer of 2015 saying, hey, the uh, University of Louisiana Lafayette is interested in branding a beer. Do you want to put some samples in? So they threw some samples together, took them in. Uh, settled on him. You know, it was the first hit. Uh, he says that the first two years, every month, uh, they were needing more and more and more. They upgraded their brew house. They added nine 60-barrel fermenting tanks. Uh, they would send out two 18-wheelers a month loaded with bottles of, and kegs of just the branded beer for the university to send out all over the market. Because think about it, you send that to the grocery stores or liquor stores or to the bars, and you see the tap handle and if you are a, a, a raging Cajun, you're going to want to order that. You want to support your alma mater. Maybe you've got a kid going to school there. You want to support the alma mater. So the, the beer has generated $1.2 million in sales since 2015, of which the university has gotten $140,000, which is their standard 12% royalty fee. And uh, it goes to the university's general fund, some of which is allocated to athletics. And according to the article, neighboring schools have paid attention. So there are now five other universities in Louisiana marketing their own beer, including Tulane, the University of New Orleans, uh, Louisiana State, and Nichols State, as well as McNeese State, whose beer is also brewed by the same brewery at uh, Bayou Tech. I think it's a really good strategy because, like you said, if you go to a bar and see that handle on tap, I think college sports fans might be some of the most loyal because you have that personal time. I mean, obviously, if you grew up in Seattle and you're a Seahawks fan, it's personal to you. But having attended that school and feeling Mm -hmm. like you're a part of it feels way more a part of your identity. Yeah, than it does. There's a reason that college sports still have such a fervor surrounding them and that stadiums fill 100,000 people. It just almost feels more closely tied. I think you're right. Yeah, you could buy you could have loyal customers for a, a long time. That's right. A um, couple of interesting notes here. So the name of the school, according to the article, is barely mentioned. It only appears on the bottom of the uh, six-pack of bottles, where it is noted that some of the proceeds go to support academics, research, and, atlet- and athletics at UL Lafayette. Uh, instead, the emphasis is on the region with a local brewer using local ingredients. For example, uh, rice comes uh, from Crowley and uh, honey for the uh, their uh, lager. Uh, and then the marketing cachet, they said, is of the school's unique nickname, the Ragin' Cajuns. Nice. So, yeah, they put some thought into it. Yeah, we've seen this here locally. If you go to the uh, t- uh, Total Wine and More, you're going to see Gonzaga has uh, their brand, uh, their logo on wine made in Washington. Oh, I haven't seen uh, that. The universities. Yep, the universities have their uh, some specially branded wine made for them. I've not seen anyone get into the beer side, and uh, for sure I've not seen anyone doing uh, spirits with college brands yet. That's interesting. I mean, Gonzaga, too, because I would think that that's pretty dry campus. So it's an interesting 
Interesting. Uh, yeah. But it is a Jesuit university. And the most important thing. Uh, True. One of the most important symbolic things is wine, right? Absolutely. All right. Good point. Well, we'll be on the lookout for Gonzaga and I'll, wine. I'll tell you, you know, uh, our partnership we're doing with South Puget Sound Community College, where they're going to have a brewery and a distillery, and we're going to have a distillery in operation next to them. They're going to be making beer and spirits. And one of the things they're going to do is license it through their own college foundation and the bottles that they sell all the money's going to go to the foundation so oh, it is wow. a money making thing for the schools if they do it right that's really cool very cool coming up on cast club radio in honor of veterans day we're going to talk to andy gundel of urban family brewing they have a pretty cool tie-in going on it's next on cast club radio Radio. Right now we are joined by Andy Gundel of Urban Family Brewing. Pretty cool event you've got going on this Veterans Day. Yeah, this is the second time we've actually done this event with one of our past employees who's actually a brewer for Ravenna Brewing at the moment. But we buy the Veterans Day blend of hops from Yakima Chief. They're a hop supplier in Yakima, obviously. (laughs) And we brew a beer with it and then we donate dollar a pint or a percentage of our sales of that beer to their American Legion post. That's so great. What what inspired you? What made you want to start this event? Um, you know, it was really just working with him. When he worked here, uh, he brought it up to me and was asking if we could do something for it. And I mean, it really kind of works well with our mission as a company. Like, I'm always looking for things we can do to benefit the community and just kind of, you know, strengthen our community beyond beer I mean, beer is kind of silly in, in, a, in a way if you think about it, but if we can do more with it, um, that's always a, a hope of mine. Um, so any opportunity I have to give something back and, you know, help out, I, I try and take advantage of. I know the beer benefits post-206 American Legion, and it's in honor of Sergeant yeah. William C. Stacy. Can you tell us a little more about them? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So they started this post, uh, I think it officially was is about a year and a half now in honor of William C. Stacy. Uh, he was killed in Afghanistan in 2012. And, you know, I think it just inspired them to kind of do more outreach, do more things uh, for the community, take on new projects, uh, just kind of, you know, use use their power as veterans to, to do something and give back. And they're just a really good group of guys who just care a lot and, put a lot of themselves into everything they do. So it's really fun to work with them. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's an honor to be asked, frankly, like <laughs> it's, it sounds, um, you know, a little bit trite, I guess, but, um, it's nice to help out in any way. And I'm glad we are thought of when, when this time rolls around. How do people go about getting access to this limited release that's coming up? Uh, yeah, so we're having a big celebration on November 11th, which is a Monday. Um, we're opening a little bit early. Usually we open at 4. We're going to open at noon that day. Um, and most of that beer is going to live kind of within our facility. So we'll do uh, crawlers or growler fills of it. And every every pint you buy, a dollar of that's going to go towards uh, Post 206 to help them out with their projects and, and their specific mission. So, um, yeah, if you want to, if you want to help out, that day is going to be super fun. We're going to have uh, <clears throat> barbecue 
guy here that comes every once in a while and does some pretty amazing barbecue stuff and uh, the post will be hanging out and, you know, telling stories, drinking beer. So it'll be a fun day. Now, when it comes to the beer itself, we've talked to you in the past, too, about using a lot of unique flavors. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. um, So kind of in the past, you know, we talked about the sour beer program, but um, another big part of our business is is our IPA program. And our head brewer, Max, kind of a few months ago decided, you know, we needed an overhaul and uh, has really been working hard and, and developing that that uh, that style for us, and I think we've come a long way in the in the past couple months. Um, and then with this with this hot blend that Yakima Chief does every year, um, when they when you buy a box of that, they donate towards a Wounded Warrior Family Support Fund. So, you know, it's just a good excuse to buy buy some cool hops from Yakima Chief and and, uh, you know, use those in a beer and hopefully, you know, spread the support out. So this year, that blend is a blend of uh, Simcoe hops, Laurel hops, and um, <laughs> the last one's hard to say, and Anthem, and Anthem. <laughs> so it's got, like, pine, floral, and, like, citrus qualities to it. It's going to be a really nice beer. I've been tasting it as we kind of go through it. We always love promoting any anything where people can go out and have a beverage and have a good time, but also help a good, a good cause. So I hope everyone can get down there on Monday. So you are still in Magnolia right now, right? But you're working on moving to Ballard soon? Yeah. I've, I actually just got back from, like, spending the entire morning answering questions about that place. <laughs> <laughs> like, where is this going? Where is this going? Uh, so yeah, it looks like we're we're still in Magnolia at the moment. Um, looks like we'll probably be here kind of into early next year. Um, kind of fingers crossed we can open in February, but our production facility over there will hopefully open this month. Uh, but yeah, that's coming along. If you want to check it out, I, I regularly post on our Instagram. I'm getting better at posting on our Facebook, just kind of about progress with that project. And uh, yeah, it's it's coming along. <laughs> It's a more stressful experience than I anticipated, but I'm surviving. And you're going to have, at the new location, you're going to have tap room and more production? Or what's the prompting the move? Yeah, so kind of the one big thing about the move is our, our building sold, and uh, my landlord is one of my business partners. And, you know, we just had kind of a long discussion about, you know, do we want to stay kind of working together? A big part of our relationship was he kind of takes care of the real estate and keeps the building chugging along. And it was a good opportunity for him to sell. And he bought a new property over in Ballard. So it was a good home for us. We were kind of hitting our, our limitations in the facility. The power requirements would have needed to be upgraded and water and gas and basically anything you can think of. Uh, so moving over there, we'll get a kind of a stretch our legs, get some room for more production, hopefully going up to that like 2,000, 2,500 barrel uh, size brewery. Um, Then we'll have a tap room. Um, We'll be family friendly, dog friendly still, and uh, just give us a little bit more space and flexibility. We have a lot of people currently asking about doing uh, like private events at our facility that we just can't accommodate. We can't close down for the day. I feel bad whenever customers show up and they see a private event sign. They're like, ah, you know. Uh, so we'll have a private event no. space in the new facility. And, yeah, just have kind of more options for opening. We 
currently our tap room is like our, our warehouse. So we run the forklift in and out all day. And by the time we're done for the day is when we open the tap room, this will allow us to kind of do a little bit more in tandem. So give us some more options for being able to taste the beer and uh, yeah, have a cool, fun new facility. <laughs> Fantastic. I saw online that you're also starting to do some trivia nights as well. Oh, yeah. We just teamed up with uh, uh, it's one of our friends. She works for Three Magnets Ring down in Olympia. And she kind of came up, you know, pitched us on on doing some trivia and sounded like a good idea. So we're going to start that up every Tuesday going forward, um, at least until we move and then kind of see how we land in the new spot and see, see what our what everything looks like over there but yeah i'm excited it's something that we've actually been looking for for a while we just couldn't find anybody that really could commit to like a full you know every week same time kind of schedule so yeah it should be fun any word on what kind of trivia or just general (laughs) you know i think they do a mix of like everything i think it's kind of up to the host too so i think every week it kind of changes up there's like visual rounds and um, oh, just cool. kind of a theme for the week. So, I, like I said, I'm, I should have prepared better for this question. No, it's and, okay. Uh, it sounds like uh, we're trying to get insider <laughs> information so that we can just we, we like trivia nights. That's why. But uh, thank you so, so thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Uh, and we'll make sure everybody checks out the event on Monday. You get to drink and do it for a great cause. So thank you. That's right. Awesome. Thank you, guys. On Veterans Day. Yes. Thanks, Andy. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, we've chatted before about the idea of heritage distilling and how it started, you know, just hanging out with some friends. Well, coming up on Cast Club Radio, we've got 10 things that were created over a couple of years. That's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. In just a few minutes, we've got a great new cocktail recipe for you. But first, ever thought what was created over a couple of drinks? It is National Inventors Day today. And uh, we've talked in the past about some some things that have been created over after a few drinks. We've got a great list of 10. Some you might not have thought that were invented this way. Yeah. Mari, you want to start with number one? Yeah, I was surprised to see this. Actually, one of my favorite airlines. I like flying <laughs> Southwest. Other than their their whole seating thing with no assigned seats, it's a little weird. But yeah, Southwest Airlines. Apparently in 1966, it was a lawyer named uh, Herb Keller. His client, Roland King, owned a real small commuter service out of San Antonio. And King and his banker had been discussing the idea of running a quick commuter service between San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston. They pitched the idea to the lawyer and sketched it out on a cocktail napkin, of all things. <laughs> and uh, since then, it's been growing ever since. All the great ideas that may have started on a cocktail napkin somewhere. <laughs> so I guess we have cocktails to thank for those as well. Pretty cool. Those are the best. Those are the best. All right, the number one, number two item on the list was the pet rock. Did either of you have a pet rock when you were growing up? I didn't. My, my parents, if I asked for that, would have said, um, go outside. You can have one outside. I didn't, but I think I may have brought some rocks in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Side on my own. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Many a collection. This was one of the most genius ideas, though, that someone managed to convince people this would be a great product. It's impressive. I wonder how many people purchased the pet rock while they were also under the influence of alcohol. Yeah. yeah. Very true. Online, also true. Through 
UBC late night Friday or Saturday night. <laughs> uh, number three on the list. This surprised me. A few good men. The uh, very popular movie. What do you, What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, Aaron Sorkin says that uh, he was organizing his thoughts on napkins at Broadway's Palace Theater, um, and just having a few drinks while he did it. It's uh, funny how many people. Obviously, they were. Some of these seem like they were business meetings or he was trying to organize his thoughts how many people didn't have like a notebook on them right <laughs> or maybe it just feels more relaxed if you just write it I think it so down it's one of those I think a lot of creativity if you try to organize it or if you try to schedule it it just doesn't work that way but it, you have to feel inspired by the moment so I just want to say once again bless cocktail napkins <laughs> for being a part of uh, creating so many great things number four on this list number four the marine corps what? It was invented over some beers <laughs> in 1775. Uh, yeah, folks from the Continental Army were trying to figure out how to forge two battalions, and they did this at the Tun Tavern. And uh, every year now, the Marines get together at Tun Tavern to celebrate the anniversary of the creation of the Marine Corps over beers. That's really cool. I never knew that. Yeah, so from creative to, you know, yeah. actually, actually serious. And especially this week being Veterans Day, it's a pretty cool piece of information. All right, number five on the list. Another creative thing. We'll go back to also involves a cocktail napkin. Yeah. Sure. Yep. It's Shark Week. Ah. Uh, and I've participated. Have you guys? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we've watched plenty of Shark Week on Discovery Channel. Apparently, uh, it was created scribbling it down on the back of a cocktail napkin after some of the Discovery Channel execs were just in a post-work brainstorming session, having a few drinks. Not bad. Nope. I mean, it just I can imagine having you know a cocktail else? or two and being like, you know what? We should just do sharks for an entire sharks week. Sharks are just awesome. Sharks. Why not? Let's make it happen. You know what else related to that I think was made over a lot of beers was the song uh, Baby Shark. Oh, uh, I could see crazy. that. Yeah. I could see that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that really took off, too. Okay, number six. Number six. Another, this is a pop culture sort of thing, but Quidditch? Uh, J.K. Rowling created Quidditch in a pub after having a fight with her then-boyfriend. She said, quote, In my deepest, darkest soul, I would quite like to see him hit by a bludger, which is (laughs) one of the, uh, I don't want to say, it's one of several different uh, balls involved in the game of Quidditch. But yeah, ones that just aggressively chase you and try to knock you off your broom as you're playing Quidditch. For the listeners that are not familiar with Quidditch, do you want to describe the origins of where it comes from? Uh, Quidditch, I get, I mean, it's hard to describe. It's kind of like, I would say it's field hockey in the air with uh, rugby elements and flying on a broomstick. Yeah. Flying on a broomstick. <laughs> in Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I mean, it, it's all Harry Potter. It's yes. all from Harry Potter. So if you didn't read the books or watch the movies, you have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Sorry. I, <laughs> I, of course, just the Harry Potter nerd in me just assumed everybody knew that, but I should uh, check I feel like myself. Most people know who J.K. Rowling's responsible for it, at least. Sure. But, yeah. And and actually, last year I went to the Seahawks game uh, in London, and I went to Edinburgh, Scotland, and J.K. Rowling wrote a lot of Harry Potter in Edinburgh in a specific bar slash cafe. So it was actually, I think a lot of it was written in a bar slash cafe, too. So this goes along with the, those oh. origins. A couple more that you have probably heard of in some way, shape, or form. Buffalo wings. Yeah. Or you've hopefully had a few in your time. Farrington B. And that might not sound familiar, but you've definitely come across it. 
It's the squared off letters and numbers that you've seen on almost every credit card in your wallet. So if you took it out right now and looked at it, uh, those also invented at a bar at the Waldorf Astoria. So pretty fancy. So that's a font. Just to be clear, we're talking about a font that was invented while someone was drinking beer. Yeah. Is that right? Yep. Last two. Okay. Making sure I understand. The last two on the list, the gift of the Magi. Uh, some of the best literature they're reminding us here are were also invented or created after a drink or two, and just asked Ernest Hemingway. Um, so this is uh, that's on the list, and the Iron Man triathlon. That seems contradictory. Yeah, I know crazy. we went from buffalo wings <laughs> to the Iron Man triathlon. <laughs> uh, pretty incredible, but this it, it was in a bar, but it. It wasn't in a bar specifically, but it was over a couple of beers at an awards banquet that that was created. (laughs) Well, before we get out of here, we want to give you something that you can make at home as we do every week with our new cocktail recipe. That's right. This one is called the Lion's Tail. Uh, Requires BSB 103. That's our brown sugar bourbon at 103 proof. Something called Allspice Dram. You can look it up on the internet and you can make it at home pretty easily, or you can find it at any specialty liquor uh, store, Allspice Dram. Some fresh lime juice and some cocktail bitters. You're also going to need a small lighter or uh, some kind of uh, heating implement with uh, fresh orange peels. So in a shaker, put one and a half ounces of the BSB 103, a half ounce of your Allspice Dram, a half ounce of fresh lime juice, and four dashes of cocktail bitters. Shake it, put it into a cocktail goblet, and then garnish it with a flamed orange peel. So just take that orange peel, twist it, light the end of it. The uh, caramelization on the orange oils will create an amazing aroma. And as it burns and you put it out, put it in the cocktail, it looks like the end of a lion's tail. That's the name, the lion's tail. Oh, wow. Ooh, yeah, that sounds good. This will be available for you online at heritagedistilling.com. You can check out past cocktail recipes there as well and download episodes of the Cast Club Radio podcast. That's right. You can also email us ideas, topics, questions, suggestions at caskclubradio at heritagedistilling.com. We love getting some of those questions and answers. We also love getting people, uh, having people send us photos of where they're finding products around the world now. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Cask Club Radio. And uh, you can find us at heritagedistilling.com. Don't forget to uh, log on and get your holiday items delivered, shipped to you, including our advent calendars. And uh, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Everybody have a great weekend. Maybe invent something today in in (laughs) honor of National Inventors Day. And also, thank you to all those uh, who have served in the military. And we honor you on Monday, this Veterans Day. Yes, have a great holiday. And everybody be safe. Do not drink and drive. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling.